You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome, guys, to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm here with Jenna Craft, one of our teachers here. And you've been here before. Thanks for coming back. Yes, good to be here. Yeah, and Yancey Arrington, which I don't know. What do you do here? I don't know still. It's been a while, but uh, 25 years, I'm still trying to figure out what yeah. I do. Here. Maybe a little bit of teaching <laughs> pastor is what I think Yancey Arrington, is. our teaching pastor. Thank yeah. you guys both so much for being here. Yeah, I appreciate welcome. it. Thanks for being Let me be here. So we're in this sermon series <clears throat> called Asking for a Friend, right? Yep. And uh, we're asking big questions for just big questions. A lot of people have asked really forever about faith and philosophy. And you guys are answering those questions for us. And it's been awesome. It has been awesome. Yeah. And so uh, on this podcast, we really just wanted to sort of go, okay, so we're receiving the answers to some of these big questions. What happens when someone asks us those questions as followers of Jesus? How do we be the ones who answer some of these questions. And so we're just going to sort of talk through not answers to everything, but how do we even engage in those conversations? Mm -hmm. Uh, So let me ask you first, why do we have to do that? Because there's sort of, when it comes to apologetics, do you want to define that? Because we're probably going to use that word a lot. Yeah. um, I think it's helpful to define it at the beginning because a lot of people may have some misconceived ideas about what apologetics means. And simply... Apologetics at its base level is a rational defense of Christianity. So it's not uh, apologizing. Yeah, it's not saying we're sorry. It's not. Uh, it's from I believe actually from the Latin apologia, which means to make a defense. And mm-hmm. so you're just trying to defend your view or state why you believe what you believe in a way that's not just trying to be clear for somebody, but there's a little bit of persuasion in there as well. Like I, I want to defend why I believe what I believe. So that's what it is for the Christian term apologetics, or even the debate term apologetics. Uh, but as Jenna said, it is it does not mean like, I'm sorry, and I've mm-hmm. got to tell you, it's not a mea culpa. It's simply, and I'll stick with what I said initially, it's a rational defense of Christianity. So it's a, it's a reasoning together about what is good and true and beautiful of the faith. Mm-hmm. And it's really, um, it's, it's something that people study and devote their mm-hmm. lives to. It's also something that we just do yep. as followers mm-hmm. of Jesus. And so you you don't have to but you don't have to be an expert to engage in apologetics. We really are doing it all the time. Yep. And that's just sort of a term we use to describe it. So let me ask you this just to start. Why do we have to do this? Because there is sort of a, a spectrum. People are like, hey, just, you know, say like Jesus saved you. And if, you know, like just leave it there. You shouldn't even have to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. So why do we even care about apologetics? Well, I think as followers of Christ, when we say to have faith, it's not saying like have blind faith despite the evidence, you know, like just, well, looks like this is crazy, but you just need to believe it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't ask questions. Christianity is not an anti-intellectual religion. It is a religion where we engage our questions, we engage our minds, we engage the history, we engage all these things. And that is, it's really important for us as Christians. And so it's not that we, we just, well, we go along with it despite the evidence, but we go along with it because of the evidence. And so faith is, again, it's not this like blind leap of faith where we just hope that it's true. Faith is we believe in something and we haven't received it yet, but we're believing it uh, because of the evidence. And so um, as Christians, I think that we are supposed to love God with our heart and with our mind. And so it's not just, well, I'm just going to go off this feeling that I have, but as Christians, we should love God with our mind. We, um, we should believe, we should ask questions, we should approach these questions with, with a curiosity. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> super good. I mean, I, I completely affirm everything Jenna said in that. And I, I, I would just add that uh, to, to believe is not just a matter of feeling, though it does have a part of that, or even action. Uh, it's, it's a matter of the mind as well. I mean, there's big Latin terms that the church historically has used like a census and fiducius and noticia, which is the idea like, I've got to have something of my mind engaged in this. And so for a lot of people, I mean, they just have hurdles to understanding who mm-hmm. Jesus is mm-hmm. and what he's done. And those are legitimate questions that they have. And so uh, you, you have passages throughout the Bible, which which deal with what Jenna's talked about. Like this is also a faith that engages the mind. It doesn't bypass it. Uh, Isaiah 1, 18, it's that well-known passage where we, we hear the, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. And and we also have uh, passages all throughout Scripture where it just, I mean, by default, you have to use your mind. When Jesus says, no man, uh, when he talks about considering the cost of following him, he then says, you know, think about this and gives an illustration like no man builds a tower unless he first sits down and considers the cost. And so there's there's processing that goes on. And so the fact that we have these conversations with people is because they're just people and they have to work through things, mm-hmm. uh, whether they're going to accept it or reject it, they have to work through it mentally. And so, um, and, and I, again, I want to just reaffirm what Jenna said. And we're not after blind faith. I mean, when Jesus says, because sometimes people will say, you got to have the faith like a child, as if the aim is to have childish faith, but it's not childish faith. Faith like a child is different than childish. Childish means like it's almost blind. You don't care just because someone says something. But really what Jesus is driving at with the faith of a child is that there's this utter and complete trust and hopefully, when we work through some of our questions, that helps us trust God more into a way where some of us mm-hmm. will want to become followers of Jesus. So that's that's yeah. how I would think about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think I think also just recognizing the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Our culture mm-hmm. is such that there's a lot of skepticism. Sure. There's a lot of information. It's very you know there's lots of different philosophies and religions, and so just understanding that like we really we aren't in a place where we can we we can necessarily just preach the gospel to people, they, sure. they really maybe need a groundwork. Yep. And thinking about apologetics as a groundwork, mm-hmm. it's a groundwork that then gets you to the evangelism, to yep. being able to invite people into the gospel. Yep. It's not a, it's not replacing evangelism, right. but it sets you up for it. Well, and really, I think apologetics, again, the reasonable defense of Christianity, it's always been a part of the faith. Like we see Paul doing this in mm-hmm. The New Testament, we see the early church fathers doing this. Like throughout Christian history, we can look back and see that this has always been a part of of what Christians have done. Is you know how can we reasonably think through what we believe and why we believe it? And so, I think now in our current culture of this pluralistic society, freedom of religion, freedom of belief. <clears throat> um, I think that there's maybe new questions that we are tackling, but it still is a it's a timeless problem. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that Christians have always been doing. That we want to think really thoughtfully and carefully. What are the compelling reasons about why we believe what we believe? Yeah, I mean, even thinking about like we're going through the Book of Luke and our reading through the Bible, mm-hmm. and you know, on the road to Emmaus, that's essentially what he's doing. <laughs> Let me explain to you yeah. why I am who I am using the scripture. I yeah. mean, he's really defending faith in himself when he's doing that. That's all we're doing in lots of different ways. So whenever you guys uh, have a conversation with someone, how do you prepare? What are the things you're thinking about whenever you, you sit across from someone? Yeah, for me, I mean, the first thing I, <clears throat> excuse me, the first thing I want to do 
is I just want to I just want to listen to them. Um, there's really not a lot of prep I'm doing. I mean, I, when I have people on my top five um, that uh, come from all different kinds of backgrounds, I'm I'm trying to figure out, <clears throat> excuse me, not just uh, what they're saying, but why they're saying it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to get under the hood, and I can't do that any other way outside of listening to them. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm asking a lot of questions of them. So for me, that's how I prepare. Is like I, I just want to know where they're coming from. I want to know what kind of worldview they have because. Uh, I believe uh, some of the best strategy for apologetics is if you can understand and use someone's worldview <clears throat> to help them see that kind of conclusions that if you're just consistent with your worldview, this is where it's going to get you. I think that's always been helpful. And you're not trying to do that in a brash way. You, you want to be humble and all those kinds of things. But uh, I mean, part of that is <clears throat> for me is just understanding that um, everyone's got a, a certain way that they see things. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can figure out what they're, the, 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 the glasses they're wearing, the more it's going to help you have conversations with them. And then, um, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, it's that weather change. But uh, I do think part of it is uh, having some sense of, it's going to sound a really big fancy word, but I, I do think a sense of knowing some kind of theological depth to you, having some kind of systematic theology where you have, a, if you will, file folders in your head of the different truths of who God is and Christianity that you can think through in order to best answer people. I mean, I I think for the people like I just listen to them and I just respond is not usually as helpful. Like there's some there's work that needs to be done, mm-hmm. and I think the Bible calls us to that kind of work. You know, be prepared, be prepared. to give a reason for the hope that you have. So, uh, I think there's theological preparation with that. I think there's like it's it's learning the Bible well. It's knowing the theology of Christianity well. So you got, I got to know this well, but I also need to know the people well. Mm-hmm. And when you I can do, do those two, loving, th- yeah, hum- humble. When I can do those two things, then I, I feel like I can be fairly effective. I mean, by the yeah. Lord's grace, I feel like th- that makes me more effective because I'm now I know what to listen for, and I now know how to interpret that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's part of how I would yeah. do that. Well, I think uh, one thing mm-hmm. you said that it made me think about. You said know know your audience, mm-hmm. and so that's that's a personal relational thing, which sure. is super important. Yeah, yeah. It's also just more like a culturally relevant thing too, because you know, again, in Acts, you see Peter mm-hmm. ex- ex- preaching and giving a defense, mm-hmm. and you see Paul doing it later in Acts, and Peter is talking to a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. And that's his context. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that those are that's what he works through mm-hmm. is what he knows the Jewish people are gonna connect for with. Sure. Yeah, and then for sure. Paul later is in front of a Greek mm-hmm. audience and how he explains the gospel and defends the face is very different. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're both true and correct, but they know who they're talking to, so they're able to engage yep. and present the gospel. Right. Cause even even people that aren't religious they have a cosmology, so the cosmos, like the universe, so how, how they're thinking about the world. So why are we here? What is our purpose? Why do humans exist? Is there life after death? You know, so even people that would say they're not religious still have opinions about these things. And so um, I love everything that Yancey said just about like, first we want to, we want to listen and we want to understand who we are talking to and having a conversation. And so when you're talking to someone that doesn't agree with you, it could be that they are a completely different religion or maybe um, a disagreement within Christianity. You know, you're just interpreting the Bible differently. But I think that anytime that you are engaging in a conversation with someone that you don't necessarily agree with, you need to look at it as a conversation and not a debate. Mm -hmm. 
You're not debating. This is yeah. not an argument to win. This is a person to love. Mm-hmm. And so when you're approaching it that way with <clears throat> curiosity, um, and that should be like your reflex and your instinct that I'm just going to be curious about you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try to understand uh, why you feel that way. And I think in those conversations, first being aware of your own emotions within it. And so if when you're talking to someone, if you can feel your blood pressure start to rise or your body tense up or you're bringing that intensity, I think that's a clear sign that it's really time to maybe pause that conversation mm-hmm. and save it for another time. Or if just as you're observing them, if if you say something and you can tell that they are having an emotional response to what you're saying, maybe back off and just be curious, like, okay, what, what, what is underneath all of this Mm -hmm. for them? But, but again, it is not a debate. It should never be a debate or an argument. It's just a conversation. Yeah. It's a person to love in Mm -hmm. front of you. It's a person that Jesus is actually running after. Right. And you're representing him in that conversation. Which, which means I think, and it's funny that we have this podcast. I've been watching a lot of debates right now, a lot of theological debates, um, and I'm, I'm just reminded, it's not just the what you say, it's the how you say it. Mm-hmm. And so part of the preparation really is just prayer to say, listen, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to, Lord, I'm gonna about to go in this situation. You know that. Can you just make sure that I have not just like the words of the gospel, but a heart for the gospel? Yeah. You know, in other words, like, can my can my emotional world also be just as conditioned as my intellectual one so that when they say something that either I don't like or they raise up the temperature that I can still be the coolest head in the room and that the people know that I'm, I'm really for them. And I think also that means you enter into good faith mm-hmm. conversations. You always want to think the best of the person you're talking with. Uh, you, you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, like they're trying to do the right thing, and so are you. And so, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you think of those things, that really does help tutor your own emotions, uh, because. And I, I'm going to stack hands with what Jenna said. I mean, ultimately, I don't really want to win the argument if I'm going to lose the relationship. Right. So uh, I, I want to. I actually want to do both. I really do want to win the argument because I'm, I'm hoping that's an argument that moves the ball down the field for the gospel, but I want to do it in such a way where the person's ready to walk with me down right. that field. So It's not an abstract argument. No. It's mm-hmm. a person in front of you. Sure. Right. It's, it's a real person and a real relationship. I mean, I, I think about like C.S. Lewis or Paul, sure. mm-hmm. who were, you know, really anti-Jesus. You know, Paul was persecuting persecuting Christians, and yet he turned and, and, and look what he did for the kingdom mm-hmm. of God. Same thing with C.S. Lewis. He was an atheist who was convinced through apologetics and the Holy Spirit sure. that Jesus is king. And then look what he did for the kingdom of God too. You don't know who's across from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like a debate, but really like it might be somebody who God is going to use in tremendous ways. Yeah. So that to me, when I'm thinking with people across, like <clears throat> who knows who this is going to be? Yeah. You know, I just have to do my part and like you're saying, like pray ahead of time because it's ultimately not up to us either. No, no, no. And part of what you're trying to do is you, you got to teach yourself not to roll your eyes when you're dealing with people that want to, uh, and I'm going to use argue in a forensic sense. They want to argue about it, not fight, yeah, but they want to mm-hmm. work through the issues. Dude, that just shows me more times than not that they really want to own what they believe. You know, they don't want to just something handed to them and they don't want to believe it just because you told them that. And I don't like to, I mean, I, I want to be the person, like I, I consider myself someone who tries to own their beliefs. I don't want them on loan anymore. I want them to be mine. So I want to think well and deeply through all of them. And so when I find someone that, that pushes back, even if they're not, uh, even if they push back in a way that's almost like, oh, that seemed like there's a little heat behind that. I want to keep telling myself, hey, this is, this person's serious. At least it seems like they're serious about what they believe. And so that's, 
that's the kind of stuff where it's like, oh, that's a don't don't really rise at that. Yeah, this is great. This is what you want because uh, you know if the Lord would so have it where they get guided to faith and they believe upon Jesus and become a follower, I mean, they're going to hopefully believe that all the more deeply. And it doesn't mean that we won't have questions or challenges in the future about what we believe or the things we struggle with. But it feels like I mean, they're they'll be more easily to commit mm-hmm. because they've 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 considered what the tower cost to build. Mm-hmm. That's all. So what if you're in the middle of these conversations uh, and you really do not have a good answer or you're leading someone and you don't have a good answer or you're with someone who's challenging, whatever it is, what what do you do then? Well, you won't, you won't have all the answers like you, I think. So I think if you're going into it again, like this is a debate that I'm trying to win. Those are the wrong expectations. Mm-hmm. I think if you go into the expectations of like, this is a conversation that I'm going to be really curious about and then it's it's like okay I might not know all the answers but I can I can learn and and so if someone asks you something that you don't know the answer to you can say wow I, I've never really thought about it that way that's interesting let me let me look it up and then we can maybe continue this conversation but I think again going into it with the expectation this is this is not a debate this is a conversation and then you don't have the expectation of needing to have all of the answers. Um, But I think that there is a way that these kind of conversations can really sharpen our own faith, that it can challenge us to think through things differently and to think about, okay, why do I believe what I believe? Why do I think that this is true? And so in a sense of not letting it uh, discourage us when we don't know the answers, but letting it encourage us to to mm-hmm. want to sharpen our faith, to want to dig in deeper, to want to, to engage those questions. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I think that's so important. It's also, it's a community conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, no, no one has to feel responsible mm-hmm. to have all the answers. That's why we're a family and we walk in all of these conversations together. It is okay to say, I don't know, but I know other people who do. Let's walk in this together. Mm-hmm. So I think like you're saying, if it's not a debate, it's a relationship and mm-hmm. a conversation. Then there's all this opportunity to do more. No, I just make stuff up. I just make stuff <laughs> yes, up. Like, sound, I'm actually just I just make it up and sound really confident. And they just go, Somewhere okay. Somewhere in Malachi. No, like, I tell you, oh. that. I think people are tempted to do that. And that's where you're you're just handing yourself yeah. your own rope to hang yourself with because it's going to come back and bite you. And there's probably been times in my younger days of my following Jesus where I would just do something like that because I'm like, well, surely it's got to be this. So I'm going to say this. And and as I've grown, I really appreciate what Jenna has said uh, about this because I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I actually like, I kind of don't like it and I, and I like, I don't like in the moment them asking me a question I don't know the answer mm-hmm. to because I want to be helpful. But after that's over, I actually love the question because it drives mm-hmm. me to want to know yeah. what the answer is. Yeah. And and then, uh, and, and so often the way I do that is I don't, it's, it's not the question I don't know that drives me to work and study the way I want to, 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 to dialogue with people. It's hearing the opponent's uh, objections. It's not even the questions, they're objections or that they feel so strongly about. Like, I'm like, well, they, they say that Christianity actually says this. I'm like, well, does, does it really say that? And, um, and so then that's where I start to go off. And so I, I always, I say always, that's probably not fair. Uh, initially, I probably don't like not having the answer. And I do tell people, like when, when I teach systematic theology, you're going to, these people are, we're about, to, 
at the time of this recording of the podcast, we're two classes away from being done of eight months of two hours a week, systematic theology for a 12, 1400 page book. They're going to have a lot of answers, but they're probably going to wind up saying, I probably know less. And now Mm -hmm. I realize I just don't know as much Mm -hmm. as I thought I knew. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people like, just rest in the fact that there's nothing as, as, um, it's not hard to say, maybe it's hard to say, it's, it's better for you to say, I just don't know the answer, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll try to find one and I can get back to you. Just press pause. You don't have to press stop, just press pause, mm-hmm. but please don't press play or let play still go on and just start saying stuff that's it's gonna put you out on the, on the plank and then you're gonna jump off into the ocean because you were just wrong. That, that, that's probably more of a pride issue sometimes, mm-hmm. at least it is in my case. It could just be, I know you want to be really helpful, but you're going to be really harmful if you're not careful. Better just to say, don't know, man. Great mm-hmm. question. Don't yeah. know. That's a super good question. And if you're honest about it, and if you're earnest in that kind of conversation, you won't forget it. You'll go find the answer. And um, I, I, I always feel like when that's happened in my life, I don't ever forget those answers once I find them. Because I mean, I had to go look mm-hmm. for them. I was like, because this was a real question. So yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, best case is just say, I don't know, but then you've got some work to do. Yeah. I mean, I think also what's important to remember in these conversations or has been for me is that there are some questions that no one's going to give you a perfect answer to. Nobody can. But just remembering, knowing Scripture well enough, knowing the story of the Bible well enough to know that the the best answers Mm -hmm. to the biggest questions— really are in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's not a religion where you leave your intellect at the door. And they're really, really, really great answers. It doesn't mean that every single tiny question someone asks, you're gonna have a perfect answer for. Oh, and that's sure. okay. Yeah, and not every, okay. not every answer has to be a mountain. Right. It can be a molehill. In other words, what I mean by that is we don't have to be so dogmatic on everything that we believe about this mm-hmm. because if, if we... If we know our family history enough, by church history enough, we'll realize, hey, there's some really good Christians that have some really different viewpoints when it comes to how old is the earth or uh, you know, the origin of man in its, in its scientific details or um, you know, what's the right way to be baptized. Like we have our convictions, but if we're debating someone who has some kind of a background and that's their big deal, and like, well, I've seen other Christians do this and, and we would consider those examples like legitimate Christians, we could say, yeah, you know, there's some, there's some room for us to have different ideas about this. Now, we're not gonna debate, did Jesus rise from the dead or is this cross atoning? But there's a lot of things where uh, we can go, yeah, there, there's room for conversation about these things. And, it's, and, and there's also a place, I think, where we can just get something wrong about their worldview. And we say something like, well, that's not what I believe. And mm-hmm. we can go, oh, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah. And people never wanna admit that they're wrong in this world for sure, but even more so when we have some kind of apologetic discussion. And I, I actually think it, people invest more in you when you're like, yeah, you're right. I, I was wrong on that, yeah. you know, because it, 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 again, speaks more like you're trying to do this in good faith and not trying to just win. So. Right. Well, that's, I think if, if underlying foundation of all these conversations is humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super. Right. Like super we're, important. again, we're not going into this conversation to prove how smart we are, prove yeah. that we're right, prove that we're better than them, that we know more than them. Like we're really going into this conversation genuinely concerned sure. about the heart of that person. Yeah, and so, we don't need to have all the answers. I think that is a big barrier for people, you know, thinking about talking to someone of a different religion or someone that doesn't believe in Christianity or believe something, you know, something different. I think that can feel like a big barrier. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that I know enough. And again, I would just say like, well, 
we're never going to have all the answers, but if our foundation and all of this is humility and wanting to just point them to Jesus, then that takes away that burden of needing to know everything Mm -hmm. and needing to be right or needing Mm -hmm. to win in all of this. Yeah. Yeah, Incarnational apologetics. Mm -hmm. Like when we actually interact with people and look like Jesus and love them like Jesus is always going to be more persuasive than the best thought out answer. That's really the most important thing we can ever do for someone in these conversations. Yep. So have y'all ever um, had these moments of doubts whenever you had big questions, whenever you were looking for answers? I absolutely have. (laughs) Um, It's it's a huge part of my story. Um, A huge part of my journey is I... Uh, have probably more questions, and I'm not exaggerating to say this, I probably have more questions every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, The more that I study, I feel like the more I realize that I don't know. And the more that I learn, the more that I realize there is that's out there to learn. And the way that I've like started thinking about this recently is um, it's like a puzzle. So like I, I love puzzles. Like I love puzzles. Like my husband makes fun of me. He says I'm the biggest nerd. Cause if there's like <laughs> a puzzle on the table, I, I cannot, it's true. Like I cannot think about anything else. Like I, I don't want to sleep. Like I just, I cannot stop until that puzzle is done. And so, but what I love about the puzzle is not finishing it. But what I love about the puzzle is the journey of it. I love like the sorting and the moving things around, you know, and like putting some pieces together. And so maybe I'm working on one part of the puzzle and there's a whole stack of puzzle pieces over in the corner that I just haven't got to yet. But I like, you know, I can put some of the puzzle pieces together. But so I feel like what, I, what I've had to learn and had to embrace uh, in this journey for me is that like doubt is not a sin, questions are not a sin, and that I can be a critical thinker without having a critical spirit. You know, I can yeah, think critically and I can ask yeah. questions and that is not wrong to ask questions. And so I just, <clears throat> I've put some really cool puzzle pieces together and I've, you know, just like you said, like there's some, there's some really big questions that I have found answers to that I honestly believe are life-changing for me and for the people I love and for the whole world. I truly believe that Jesus is the hope for the whole world, but I look out and there's so many other puzzle pieces that sometimes it can feel overwhelming to me and disorienting to me, but I've just learned, like, I'm just, I'm just learning. I'm just a Mm -hmm. student. I have not finished the puzzle. I will never finish the puzzle, but I want to learn to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process of asking questions. And it's not, it's not a bad thing to ask questions. It's, it's Mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and really what I, what I love about that too, is, is the picture you're painting is once you have that big chunk, these big puzzle pieces, it, it just it starts to feel less overwhelming because mm-hmm. when you have that foundation of okay Jesus is the answer and the hope because really any any apologetics question we come at ultimately leads back there because mm-hmm. the gospel is the central climax it's the it's the story that all the questions ultimately lead to so once we really understand that and get it and believe in that even when there's these other parts you're still like okay but I'll f- I'll figure it out one day mm-hmm. maybe yeah. Yeah, I, I would say the same for me. I, I think I always have questions. Uh, that's how I learn best. Ever since I was a little child, uh, I, I always asked my teachers, like I was always Mr. Like hypothetical, what if this happened? And what if this happened? And that's just how my brain is wired. So I still have big questions. Um, you know, I, I have big questions uh, all throughout my life. And what I 
what I've always tried to commit to is to try to find an answer to them. And some things you just don't get answers to. But like the process for me in that is um, is really just to, so I'm always leery of Dr. Google. Like when people are like, I, I had a question, so I just a- uh, asked Google. Because there's so much stuff out there that's spurious and false and just, you know, not not good at all. But I feel like I'm, I've been educated and trained enough uh, that I, I know good places to look and good articles or resources or theologians or scholars or periodicals or commentaries or whatever it is to go find some of those answers. Like, you know, we talked before this whole thing started. I'm, I'm on a real big kick on um, the historical development of Christian theology over the last 2,000 years and with some pretty thick books <clears throat> because I have a lot of questions that I still don't know if I have all the answers to or a lot of the answers to, and I'm, I can't. It's it's the puzzle for me right now. I can't stop. Uh, I can't put it down. So, but I'm learning a lot, and uh, even that's catalytic for not just what I think, but how I believe. And so, I I've I've just never been fearful of those things because I I think all truth is God's truth, and so I'm I'm trying to run headlong in the places where my heart and head have questions. And for the most part, I think the Lord rewards that. So, uh, that that's how I've gone about finding answers to those questions and still being open-minded to realize that we may learn things in the future that I may have to change. And and, and sure enough, I, I haven't seen everything out there. So I hope that gives me a humble disposition about learning instead of like, oh, everything I've learned, I'm just going to leverage it against my opponent because they don't know what I've known. And that just doesn't really ever work out. People that are really intelligent to me always have had a general sense of Many of them, if not most of them, have a general sense of humility because they're so smart they realize what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I want to kind of have at least some aspect of that about my own life. But when it comes to those questions, uh, I, I really do like to run after them because mm-hmm. it's helpful for me to know. Uh, but I, I'm not under the illusion, and I, I agree with Jenna, we're never going to learn everything. And the point is not, God's not giving me a quiz when I die. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give me like, you know, he got 10 questions. If you get seven or more, I'm going to let you in. Um, he's called me to a person to trust in. And so that's my ultimate hope is, uh, God, whatever I've tried to do, I've tried to honor you with what my mind is and my heart. But in the end, I know I'm going to miss things. I'm just trusting in Jesus guy because I believe everything he said was true. Mm-hmm. And I'm trusting in his fidelity to himself and to you. So uh, that's what gives me a lot of peace about it, even if I don't get the answers that I want. Mm-hmm. So. And I think the way this can really tie back into our discussion about again, apologetics, the reasonable defense of the faith is I do think that when you're in conversations with people that see the world differently or disagree with you, it can bring up questions that you didn't even know to ask. You know, like I I never thought about it that way. I never even questioned that. And so I think it can, again, that can kind of be disorienting, but I love what you're saying, Yancy. Like my my faith is not dependent on my ability to have all the answers. Yeah. My if I have questions, if I have doubts, it's not a determination of my salvation or whether I'm loved by God or if I'm really saved. Like just because I don't have all of the answers, it doesn't mean that I'm any less loved by God yeah. or I'm less spiritual or less smart. Even it's just that we're all students and we're all on this journey. Like my my kids are all in elementary school and it's been really fun watching them learn and grow. And particularly, like I was thinking about this the other day in math, like it's fun to watch the journey of math that, I mean, when they're little, you're literally just teaching them to identify numbers, right? What the numbers are. And then you're teaching them what order the numbers go in. And then you're teaching them when you put those numbers together, what does that make? And 
And so you really see this progress, this development of learning. And so now like my daughter's learning, I mean, not just multiplication division, now like fractions and exponents. And it's it's just kind of fun to watch, but but it doesn't mean that she knows calculus sure. or quantum physics or, you know, like yeah. any, I still anything. don't know those. Things. I don't either. I am not, I would not I make it in the math. STEM field myself, right. but, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's so, so what I think about is like the rules of math don't change despite how much we know them. So right. maybe, you know, the one plus one, or, you, you know, maybe you're in multiplication or just whatever level of, of progress that you're in, like the rules of math don't change. So who God is like it, God doesn't change. The truth of who God it is not is not going to change despite how much I understand it, right? Like God does not change, but there should be joy in the journey and there should be a desire to know more and a desire to progress in that. And again, not that we have to have it all together and there's like an expectation of knowing it all and having all the answers, but there should be a desire to know more and to know more of who God is and and how wonderful he is and everything that he has done for, for me personally, but also like for the whole world. And so the goal again is not perfection, but to, to have joy in the progress of it. Yeah. And you're really speaking to uh, your journey and like how we feel when we have big questions. And, but that also translates to when we're having conversations with other people, uh, we want to get them to a place where they are there too where they do understand that it really is Jesus who rescued them and who is their Lord and Savior, and then walk with them through all the other questions. Like to not be like, oh, if you don't, you know, you can't ask these questions. You have to give everyone else the same grace that you show yourself with these questions. Yeah. And First Peter 3.15, Peter says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And 316 says, but do this with gentleness and respect. Mm-hmm. And so again, I think, again, in this conversation of a defense of the faith, that like what Peter is saying here is just to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. And and I, I think all of us can do that, right? If we're a follower of Jesus, we can all do that. We sure. can all explain like I was I was dead and I'm alive. I was lost and now I'm found. And it doesn't mean again that we have to have all of the answers, but but I think we can we can tell people the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus and then offer that same hope to them. So we're not, again, we're not trying to sell, we're not used salesmen, you know, trying to yeah. sell someone a junky car. It's like, we're this is something we're so excited about and it's changed our lives and we want you to experience this also. So um, whenever you went through whether it was like, I mean, maybe it's constant throughout your life, but what are some resources? So if people are like, okay, well, I really want to do Be Prepared to, to give a good defense for my faith. I have my story, which really is enough, but also I, I want to be able to have conversations with people. What, what are some good resources? Where do you start? Man, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not going to give an answer that's very detailed because I, I, don't, I don't have those on hand. I, what I would do is this. I, I honestly, I would probably try to learn some theology I mean, I, we talk, we teach systematic theology. We have women's systematic theology. We have, you know, uh, we have it available. I really feel like people should uh, have a theological depth mm-hmm. and um, training to, I mean, and all that simply is, is you're just trying to lo- know, you know, it's pursuing God and doing it in a way that makes sense, that doesn't do violence to the text, 
and it helps you understand how to think about God, but more so how to talk about God with others, I think. I also think that you ought to look at some of just, just it probably is safe to Google the safe, you know, who are some of the most uh, influential apologists over the last 100 years and start to read how, how they think about that. It's, you know, we, a lot of us love to invoke Tim Keller. I mean, Tim Keller. It's got Ke- a great, it's a very simple book. Yeah. I so think that's well, he's helpful. written two. Um, yeah. He's written first one. The, the Reason for God. Yeah. I think The Meaning for God is uh, something to that. But the first one, The, the Reason for God is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mary Christianity by C.S. Lewis is also a classic. There's the writings of Francis Schaeffer. I mean, we could go on Rebecca and on and McLaughlin on. Rebecca McLaughlin has a really good um, um, Rebecca cultural McLaughlin. apologetic. Yeah. So, like, I think Tim Keller is focused on, hey, here's sort of some classic questions. Yeah. And then Rebecca talks about yeah. um, some cultural questions that are just as important yeah. for a lot of people you're having conversations with. Yeah. So those are those are people that, so I would, I would want to have something where I'm getting a general uh, theological foundation laid. Mm-hmm. I think all Christians should have that. I mean, I want to live in a world ultimately where the church has the best thinkers, uh, the mm-hmm. best conversationalists. Uh, the the best uh, philosophers, the best artists, so on and so forth. And I would love for people around the Bay Area to go, I don't know about those Christians, but those at Clear Creek, they seem to be these winsome, engaging, articulate, intelligent, compassionate people that that have really thought about what they believe. And I don't know if I believe what they believe, but but they know why they believe they believe. And they're ready to engage in a way that's, you know, as we see in that first Peter passage, it's that's got humility in it and gentleness and respect, a good conscience and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I, I really would say lay that theological foundation, but go grab books from the, the more popular respected apologists like Rebecca McLaughlin or uh, Tim Keller. And I, I, I think everyone should read them. I, I, I definitely think everyone should read Tim Keller, The Reason for God. So that's, I'll just leave that out instead of giving people a thousand things. Maybe, maybe that's a couple of things they can start to pick up and read. And one thing I would like to add is uh, just to do this in community. So whether it's videos, podcasts, books, like those are all incredibly helpful resources but I think it's really important that we're doing it in community within our local church because I think that um, podcasts, you know, all that stuff, it's it's really can just be a one-way conversation. And so maybe you read something, listen to something, and it just brings up more questions. And so engage with people where it can be that two-sided conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that doing it in your local church with people that you are doing life with, I think that is uh, the best place to to have this. So if you have questions, don't stay isolated. Or if you're struggling with something, or if you know somebody asks you something that you don't understand, don't feel like you're a one-man show trying to fight this on your mm-hmm. own. Like do this in community. And that's, I mean, we beat the drum of small group all the time, but I think there's a reason why it's important that you have people you are linking arms with to make you feel like you're not alone in this journey. And I mean, then for, you know, some of those really hard, more challenging questions, and you want that extra resource, come to your local church, you know, mm-hmm. ask people for, okay, I, I would love a resource on A, B, and C, you know, what what would be the best place to go? Because there's a ton of information out there and it's not all going to be helpful. Yeah. And so I right. think you should be wise about the sources that you're looking into, the sources that you are using. But really, again, I would just encourage everyone, like, do this, do this in community. Mm-hmm. I, I would say just on top of that, I think it's such a helpful recommendation is God gave the church teachers for a reason. So... Uh, I, I get these questions all the time. So I, 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 there's never uh, a month that goes by where I haven't had people ask me questions like these kind of questions. So just even uh, today, I had three questions from two different people about 
these kinds of things that we're considering. So I would say like, uh, go, go ask your pastors, go ask your teaching pastors, uh, or I guess your teaching pastor, uh, those that teach, ask your women's teaching team. I mean, ask them to point you in the right direction because some of what it is to be a teacher, you already have to swim in these waters. Mm-hmm. We, we, there are very few messages we get to preach or teach where we, where we don't have to have, I mean, of course we have a whole series and it's all been about apologetics, but there's, there's a little bit of that. You got to have a little bit of apologetic chop just to be a good teacher because you're engaging the world in such a way that you've got to understand how the world thinks. So, um, and we're here, we're here to help for that. So I appreciate the, the kind of vote for, Hey, you know, invest in the church that, that God's mm-hmm. already placed you in that community, do it with your small group, pursue that. But if, if you need some help, especially like when I say expertise, I mean, people that have done some stuff before they can point you in the right direction, go hit up your teachers for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think too, um, I would just encourage people to, um, come to these conversations, not with fear, but with expectation, mm-hmm. because they're really just su- such an opportunity to talk to people about who God is yeah. and our faith. I mean, you don't have to have all the answers, um, but you do have to come just with the expectation that God is going to do a good thing in this person's life. And then just watch and see what God does when you're faithful mm-hmm. and whenever you are in yeah. community in these conversations. Yeah. Do you guys have any sort of like last advice before we wrap up? Well, like I think just I one thing to remember. Just to piggyback off of that, I think even if you can present like the 10 most compelling reasons to believe in Jesus, it's not going to be um, intellectual evidence that ultimately is going to change someone's heart. It is going to be the work of the Spirit, the, the Father drawing people to Him. And so I think we engage our minds and our hearts. It can't be, you know, only this intellectual journey where we just become robots with, you know, spitting out information and it can't, but it can't only be a heart journey too, uh, where we're just really sincere, but we don't even know what we really believe. You know, it it needs to be both and it's good that it's both. We should engage our hearts in, in this journey, engage our minds in this journey, but, but ultimately knowing like we are a people of the spirit, right? We Mm -hmm. believe that there is more that we can see. And we believe that Mm -hmm. God really is in control, that he really is trustworthy, that he really is a God that is working and moving even when we can't see and we can't understand. That's ultimately what we put our faith in is not in ourselves, our ability to reason, our ability to know it all, but our faith is in God and that's what makes us Mm -hmm. safe. And he's also a God who's seeking out Mm -hmm. the lost Mm -hmm. constantly all the time. Yeah, I would... um... I agree with all that and just add that uh, and maybe just to reiterate what we've said, to me, the most important things are uh, it, uh, you need to be truthful and give people truth, but do it in a gracious way. Yeah. So so maybe like here's, here's, here's the truth that I want to deliver or the arguments I want to make or the principles I want to stand for. Um, and I want that framed by a loving, gracious disposition which all of it bathed in prayer to say, Lord, it really doesn't matter what I do here if you're not involved with this. And so uh, I want you to work in ways, even if it's in spite of me sometimes. I might flub the line. I might say the wrong thing. But if, if, if the Holy Spirit's working in someone's heart, uh, he can overcome any of our idiosyncrasies, our, our infallibilities. And so uh, I'm, I'm just trying to be, I want to I be honest and truthful with people. Uh, because I always felt like that people honor that. I'm not trying to shine something or make something say that it's not saying or vice versa. But I also want to do that in a, in a loving way where I'm, I'm looking at them in the eyes. I'm like, I'm really for this conversation and we don't have to agree. You know, we can we can come out of this not agreeing, but we can still continue to meet and see where that takes us. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I want yeah, to keep truth, in mind. Truth, love, humility. Yeah. 
Sounds just like Jesus. So you it know, does, it does. Just keep Jesus in mind. How would if Jesus had this conversation? All right, let's go do it. Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you guys so much. Super, super helpful. Thanks for the call.